welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old soundtracks for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And this week, we are reviewing the 1999 black comedy horror thriller Idle Hands. Yeah! Idle Hands! All right! Caleb, how did we get our hands on this soundtrack? Oh, this is a soundtrack that we've been uh, wanting to do for a while now. I think maybe Nick was the first person who initially had the idea to do it, and then we had uh, a real hard time tracking down the soundtrack. Our white whale. It was our white whale. We've been t- <laughs> apparently we've been mentioning a lot on this on the podcast. <laughs> Can't shut up about it. And uh, and a listener, our friend Blake from uh, the podcast, he has a podcast about uh, Gross Point Blank called So Gross Such Point Much Blank. So check it out. So Blake kindly um, forwarded on to us a copy of this soundtrack, along with the message, Lord, have mercy on your souls. So maybe that's a little bit of a preview. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it was a curse. Uh, that was, uh, he had to transfer it to yeah. somebody. He this had to might, unload the curse. might have been us. a chain letter, a chain <laughs> yeah. email. Yeah. Well, thanks, Blake, man. <laughs> maybe. We do appreciate it. It's, it's, yeah, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. This was a DVD that I owned. Yeah. It didn't have the soundtrack. Obviously, Notorious, hard to find. Yeah. We've said, and uh, you guys want to hear from the director himself before we jump into track one. I guess. Is this R- Ronald Feld- Feldman? What is it? It Fled- is Rodman Flender. <laughs> Rodman Flender. I and, can't uh, say it. <laughs> Rodman Flender. Rodman Flender. This is a quote from Rodman Flender in the liner notes to Idle Hands soundtrack. Okay. Hey, kids, want to listen to some beat-crazy, burrito-eating devil music? Then welcome to the soundtrack for Idle Hands. Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting strong fellow kids vibes from that. I say, as we're talking about Rodman Flender, uh, this is on Wikipedia, so not 100% fact, but I believe to be fact that he is actually Timothy Chalamet's uncle. Okay. All right. I believe it. Hollywood royalty. <laughs> yeah. Rodman Flender. Anyways, yeah, let's jump into the first track. Here's track one. This is The Living End with Second Solution. Stand on the street light, try to get away. Guilty, guilty, hey, watch you say. Shining down the hours, but I haven't got the time. 23rd precinct, jumping on the line, on the line. And what I want to know is where I get that blow. Or is there a second solution? What I want to say is where I die today. I remember this okay. band. Uh, Australian, say like ska, punk. It's punky, but you can tell that it's a stand-up bass, which kind of... I don't uh, think anyone ever asked for Rockabilly Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they're, they're like a highly regarded Australian band in some circles. Um, I remember they had a cover of Tainted Love, um, which was already a cover. But uh, Yeah, I remember that one. A very unnecessary kind of punk ska cover of Tainted Love that I enjoyed as a kid. Um, this is, it's not terrible. <laughs> I mean, if that's your thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's what, second wave ska, third wave, third wave ska. This is definitely, yeah, third wave. Although. Did we say the year on this uh, soundtrack? This is 1999. 1999. Yeah. Yeah. The year so of Napster. Yeah. I was a senior in high school and I did not watch this movie. I think I didn't, I hadn't seen the movie in its entirety until we watched it in preparation for this. I saw it a couple of times on okay. like HBO and stuff. It was definitely oh, a late right. night HBO thing. That makes sense. A couple of years later. Is this song in the film, Chris? It is the second credit song. Okay. So we're kind of working backwards here. <laughs> there we go. So we don't have to get into it. We, I will say that this movie was not successful. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not surprisingly. Yeah, this was, was a box office flop. It only made about $4 million, but it was only in theaters for like 10 days before it got pulled because of uh, Joe Lieberman <laughs> calling out this movie after the uh, Columbine well, I think incident. It's, it's yeah. release got delayed for months because of Columbine. And not that it's even like a school shooting movie, but it's just... Well, his you know. parents, he kills his parents in the first scene basically but but off but screen off screen you don't see it and it's not really him i was bummed no, out about that like no we guns. didn't get to see more fred willard in the movie i know he's there and then he's gone instantly. <laughs> he looks great in he the looks movie great. for 64 was, yeah well that was that was my thing i brought up i was like oh my god fred willard first of all he looks so young but it's like fred willard's probably my age in this and i like he's like no he's, he's like, 64 no he's like 64 caleb like could not get over how good fred willard looked and i was like he's looked like that for a long time he kind of looks that way for like he looks that way in spinal tap he looks that way in this movie like he just looks like that uh yeah i in 90s movies i can never tell if the parents are 30 or 60 we, we were talking about like they usually are like in their 60s and you know devin sawa is a high schooler like yeah. i think he's not even a senior yet or something maybe he is he's, i yeah, think jessica alba was like 19 when she shot this movie yeah yeah, definitely like maybe a breakout movie for her. Yeah, this is her first big, uh, her first big role. <laughs> it's so bad. I think <laughs> we may have discovered something about Jessica Alba in watching this movie and some research is that uh, she's never been good in anything, and she's also <laughs> never been in anything good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, th- I think that's. I think those both those things are true. I don't think that's giving Dark Angel a fair shake. Okay, Dark Angel, sell me on it. Uh, I, no. People, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was kind of like the Dark Angel was a James Cameron show, kind of trying to. Uh, recreate the buffy the vampire slayer magic right yeah and i don't think it was terrible right. maybe it was good maybe that was kind of the perfect uh showcase for jessica alba who's now i can make fun of her because she's filthy rich mm-hmm. some sort of like vitamin money or something yeah, <laughs> some she's got a beauty brand, brand or something yeah, like that yeah. but yeah the movie did get pulled from theaters but it did sell you know considerable on dvds and kind of became a little bit of a cult classic mm-hmm for yeah, DVD well, collectors. Let's jump into the second track and we can uh, shit on this movie a little bit more. <laughs> let's hear from track number two. This is Blink-182 with Enthused. Am I strung out crazy or not allowed to be the one who gets stupid over you? Lazy Laid back, maybe you're just on crack Why am I the one who gets fucked up and confused? Blink-182, maybe uh, first time on track listing podcast. No, this... definitely not, because they were oh. on the American, American Pie, Pie soundtrack. Uh, okay. And they also appeared in the film American Pie. That's correct. That's right. As the house band. And in this movie, uh, what's it, Tom DeLong? Tom DeLong. He is in, he's like a fast food worker. Jungle Burger. A jungle Burger. He, didn't, he barely says anything. He just gets shoved out of the way. Yeah, Tiny yeah, little cameo. Yeah, yeah. He's just hanging around LA, I think. <laughs> and uh, this song, not in the movie, but this was on their album, Dude Ranch. Yeah, this that was I on their, copy of. their second album. And uh, Blink-182 still, you know, still uh, still a band. But well, uh, he, Tom DeLonge. Tom DeLonge is the one who, he left and was replaced by a guy from Alkaline Trio, right? Do you know why Tom DeLonge left Blink-182? To pursue his passion. Which is? Much like uh, Jessica Alba, he has a passion outside of show business. 
he decided to devote his time fully to uh, UFO research. This is something that we've joked about before, <laughs> but it's something that we, right. we have to get serious about <laughs> now. Have you heard? Have you been following the alien news? Pentagon put out some video. It's like back of back of page two in every newspaper in the country is UFOs are real. It's absolutely real. Oh man! Like top minds are like, yeah, we don't know, we don't know what these are, but here's documented footage of like a spacecraft that we have no idea how the technology works, and there's. <laughs> the, big, the biggest thing is there was like how often are you encountering this and you'd think it'd be like oh like you know we've seen this like four times they see it every day <laughs> the navy sees aliens every day and nobody gives a hoot it's so funny because i i kind of had like a grand thesis about uh conspiracy theory which is so i was i you know i, I think i've talked before i was a huge uh, x-files fan and i was a like, big like uh art bell the radio show it was like on yeah, the middle of the night coast to coast it was all about conspiracy theories and my kind of like notion about conspiracy theories is that they were going to die off because now where everybody has a cell phone and a camera on them at all times it's like there's no excuse not to have a photo of bigfoot photos or it didn't happen yeah it's like mm-hmm. and and it's like as things it's like oh yeah like now all of a sudden you never hear about any of this shit like obviously it was just you know there's no Loch Ness monster videos there should be like one every day <laughs> the amount of like cameras people have uh, and it's like, I was completely wrong in, in, in like multiple accounts. Probably I think I was right about Bigfoot. Uh, but I was wrong about conspiracy theories and that now they've like been weaponized and are now like more mm. prevalent than ever. <sighs> and also it's Such like, bummer. <laughs> if you had asked me, you know, like a year ago about UFOs, I'd be like, well, obviously they're total bullshit because we're not seeing like new UFO videos all the time. Uh, and if we were like with CGI, it would be like, how could you take anything seriously? Because, Correct. like, some kid at home could make something that would be so, like, convincing. Yeah. Uh, but then the Pentagon's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. It's like, well, Tom DeLong, he, uh, he filed a FOIA request, and here's the video. <laughs> I, I will say, Tom DeLong, it, it's not like he took a hard right turn and was like, I'm all about aliens now. <laughs> he left us clues. Uh, as early as 1999 on the album uh, Enema of the State. I don't know if you guys remember that one. had a copy of that. Third studio album. Mm -hmm. There's a track entitled Aliens Exist. I never made it to that track, I guess. (laughs) Not even ironic. It's just straight up. (laughs) Just straight up. So he's been like feeding it out since 1999, which is when he was so excited when that video came out. Oh my gosh. Payday. He was right. Tom DeLonge and Jimmy Carter. They're like the two... (laughs) They've never wavered. They're like, I saw I saw UFO. I saw it. Were you guys Blink-182 fans back in the day? I, I think I've actually appreciated them more as like an entity. I was like, you know what? Respect. Respect on them. I think I thought I was a little too cool for them in middle school because it was the popular thing that everybody loved. And I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're claiming they're punk, but they're like, pff. I mean, like, listen to like no FX. That's punk. Listen to like Newfound Glory. That's all. <laughs> like was, MXP. Like I was, yeah. you know, trying to be. I want to say that I was a little bit too old. I think that because I was like a huge Weezer fan and bands like that coming up, obviously like grunge bands. And then uh, by the time they came out, they were a little bit too close to like the TRL boy band like phenomena of the 90s it was all like yeah they had like that music video for all the small things where they were doing a bit of a yeah a poke it, at boy it was band a lot of like choreography it's like oh yeah, we're like yeah, making yeah. fun of pop culture but 
you were also dating like a pop star and were hanging out with Carson. It's like, yeah. It, so in when I was a kid, I was like, this is just another like boy band, like pretending not to be. And although I'd rather that than like the actual five members of a boy band that don't play any instruments. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. I, it's, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where if I meet somebody and they're like, oh, no, are you kidding me? They were great. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to, you know, there, there are some bands that I will... I will ruin somebody's day by like <laughs> refusing to admit that they like them, you know, yeah. <laughs> type of thing. Uh, but yeah, Blink-182 is fine. I, but not, not for me. Not for me. How about you, Nick? Blink-182. Yeah, I owned Dude Ranch. Nice. And uh, I remember Damn It was like one of the first riffs I learned on guitar, which I was really excited about. That's a hard riff. And, uh, but I think looking back, it's just total garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so you, I can have the opposite, the opposite take on yeah. it. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I think but they were know. they were the best at what they did in the time they did it. Oh my I god, think. they made so much money. They yeah. were all over yeah. MTV Cribs, mm-hmm. which uh, Devin Sawa had an episode of <laughs> that I found on like MTV archives. And um, they go to his house and they introduce his temporary housemate, who's living in his uh, garage, is Jason Schwartzman. Oh whoa! All right. Yeah, so like kind of around the Royal Tenenbaums time. Oh, okay. cool. Very cool. But yeah, I guess they were living together in this big mansion that Devin Sawa bought with all of his uh idle oh, hands money. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh dude. I wonder if Jason like is helping him out if Devin's like, hey man, can I crash on your in your garage for a little bit? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. I'm just real busy these days. It's just it's a little much. He's gonna be in a bit of a uh hipster in the Cribs episode where he like is giving a tour of his Serge Gainsbourg vinyl and like his uh his little drum machine that he has set up in the garage. He's pretty. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Like, all right. Okay. That's like a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate, you know, the ultimate uh, hipster like claims that you have a Coppola in the garage. He's <laughs> just staying with you. You want to see my Coppola? <laughs> yeah. <come here. laughs> His name's Schwartzman, but he's a Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> Respect. Respect. <laughs> you guys want to jump into track three? Let's Please. do it. This is the offspring with beheaded. Offspring. I remember I had a hard time getting my hands on Offspring albums because it had that uh, parental advisory sticker on it. Ooh. And before Napster came out, which was in 1999, I think the only way that I could really uh, get that was either like a burned copy from a friend or yeah. you would just kind of like borrow someone else's CD whose parents were okay with that. Sometimes at like Blockbuster Music, some of the guys were like cool. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. Like, if I was, like, yeah, old yeah. enough and I would, like, slide it. But <laughs> I remember, like, Sublime's were... album was like that. I had to, like, get that, get a burn copy from a friend. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah maybe, I guess maybe I'm older. But I had the, I would say what, I'm, I don't know if it's their first album, but their breakout album, the one with, like, the orange skull on the cover with uh, Keep Them Separated was on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was yeah, the skeleton. Yeah. Skeleton. yeah. Yeah, like a so faded out skeleton. I, I really 
I loved that album, and I think I still might like it, even though I haven't listened to it in forever. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit afterwards. So this is uh, Dexter and the band. They appear in the movie. They're like the, the prom band. Correct. And they play a couple tracks. They play this, and then I think there's a cover of a Ramones song. Yeah, it's like kind of their homage to the Ramones rock and roll high school. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. there's this, uh, this movie, which I guess I should say up top, I'm not a huge fan of. But it's a movie that loves other movies. And that's one thing I really liked about it. There's a lot of, you know, it doesn't feel like it's ripping off movies. A lot of homages. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's kind of a a long tradition of the band that's like, uh, I think they get coaxed into being in the movie because somebody tells them they get to be killed in the movie. And that's one of like, uh, you know, like Dust Till Dawn. I remember uh, Tito and the Tarantulas. They like turn in their vampires and then they get murdered and it's like a fun thing right for a band yeah to do. dexter becomes a victim of the yeah uh, yeah he gets the his, hand he gets his scalp his, uh, ripped off his spiky hair his spiky blonde hair ripped off of his, his guy skull. fieri wig gets torn off <laughs> the shasta mcnasty himself yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> jake busey lookalike yeah uh this song is this song I, I, I wouldn't say that I like it, but I, I had fun listening to it and that it uh, starts off very kind of generic offspring and then it goes into a little bit of like a B-52s. Yeah. Like a little bit of like... Uh, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's, it, you know, we had some rockabilly earlier and there's kind of like a next door to like, there's a lot of California punk rock on this, which is very much kind of like teen related, but there's also like, um, kind of West coast, like hot rod punk. That's like surf rock and a lot of like kind of Halloween, like, uh, you know, a lot like, of Harley Davidson looking guitars. Yeah. yeah. But there's like a lot of like dancing on the tombstone with the, you know, it's like that kind of oh, the uh, spooky surf rock. Yeah. Spooky rockabilly. Yeah. And it's, I think that uh, maybe, maybe some of these bands are trying to dip into that a little bit, which I like. I think the living end opened for offspring on one of their tours right around this time. So I think maybe they were on the soundtrack because of uh, Dexter's recommendation. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. This is uh playing as uh, Caleb just said in the high school prom, same gymnasium that Buffy the vampire slayer. Um, oh yeah some of the stuff in that took the, place the movie the movie yeah not the uh gotcha. the shitty show. movie <laughs> i can't like say i've movie. had the pleasure you like the movie uh, yeah i love it <laughs> paul rubens man come on <laughs> well, I, it's got donald sutherland who i love yeah, but uh but um this is uh p-nub is making out with um uh the devil girl uh, oh yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> did you see the thing about that actress uh tanya yeah or katie wright is yeah. her name she has a half sibling who was the the dickhead in the monster truck yes who they, is, but they didn't realize they were related until they were working together on this movie no, what, wow. but what is that story like how did that happen and there, i this couldn't is find before any, 23 and me i, yeah, I, I think so. it's just kind of like oh where are you from like oh you know i'm actually the town next to that yeah, jack noseworthy oh wow yeah she plays uh jessica alba's uh like friend in the movie friend mm-hmm. yeah you know, the female characters and are not really fleshed out very well in this movie. Not that any of the characters are. Not really much of this movie is fleshed out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think, doesn't she end up in like some sort of industrial fan? Yeah, she gets like sliced apart. Um, well, I, we all went to public school. There's like the huge industrial fan. With, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta watch out for mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean... Every few years there's a kid that disappears in the ducts. Splat. I, I would say this movie's treatment of women is like a point of contention. Uh, yeah, it hasn't like, aged well. No, not at all. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I don't well, know if it's leaning into that parody of like horror film that like, but like Jessica Alba serves. It's, it's it's the Jessica Alba role, and you know, part of it's a role and part of it's execution. Like she, it's like porn acting. Yeah, 
and I think it has to do. I, there was many interviews where different um, actors were kind of describing that nobody was on the same page as far as what kind of movie they <laughs> yeah, were in. Like, this is a teen movie. Well, no, it's a horror. Movie. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a something, it's something that I, I feel like I project on a lot of films where I'm like, this, this guy's hamming it up. He realizes he's in like a B movie, but like other people are taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this one, it's confirmed. It's confirmed from the set that nobody really realized what movie they were making. <laughs> and whoever was, uh, whoever was giving Jessica Alba notes was, uh, <laughs> leading her down the wrong road. I heard Seth Green mention something about that, like no one knew what movie they were making. He's like, the, the director thought he was making um, Heathers, and yeah. we thought we were making The Big Chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we realized like halfway through shooting that like, as he would say the lines, he was like, oh, this is this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. In that quote, he was like, I love this movie because none of us were on the same page. And I was like, you sure? That's <laughs> it's kind of like it's like exquisite corpse, but as a movie, it's like okay, so I'm gonna say the first line, and then like you don't know what movie is next, and you just have to pick it up. Oh god! <laughs> Anyways, improv, uh, baby. Yeah, yeah, maybe jump into the next track. Let's hear track number four. This is the waking hours with Mama said, "Knock you out." Another song that is not in the movie. All right. Well, this is our first cover of the episode. A very unfortunate cover. To my knowledge. Um, (laughs) It crystallized something in my head that I'd been thinking about for a long time. I don't know if... uh, Do you guys have anything to say about this or... Go for it. uh, Rap rock. So rap rock... (laughs) I, th- I feel like it <laughs> was that's where you're going. more than anything, it was a label driven genre mm-hmm. in that I think every label head is like, kids love hip hop, but what's wrong with hip hop? Not white enough. <laughs> so how do we make it like, well, we got white rappers. It's like, that's only going to get us so far. Right. What if we make rock music that just kind of like sucks some of the, you get somebody scratching, you get somebody rapping for like a little bit but it's just rock music so we can sell it. And that was kind of the notion that rock and roll is a huge thing. Hip hop is happening, but like, how can we just absorb that? Where in reality, it's like what happened is that hip hop becomes much more like the dominant, like art form Mm -hmm. and starts just sucking in from all sorts of like sources, like prog rock and sampling. Like, yeah, this is a cover of a song by LL Cool J. Yeah, it's an LL Cool J song. And so, yeah, so they were completely wrong in that, like, hip-hop was going to be the one that was going to start ripping off uh, rock music. I mean, maybe they could, maybe success. they wanted the LL Cool J original in the movie, but it was too expensive, so they got an unknown band to do this terrible cover <laughs> for no money. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I mean, if we have... Well, so this is the second track that's not in the movie, and uh, maybe we should talk about some of the songs that are in the movie that we wished were on the soundtrack. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think in the movie, a few times we hear Santeria by mm-hmm. Sublime, mm-hmm. which yeah, is a yeah. uh, great song. Great song. Still it's a great song. Introduces Seth and... Um, Penub. Penub. <laughs> yeah, Seth, <laughs> Seth Green and Eldon Henson. Uh, Eldon Henson is Penub and Seth Green is Mick. And I was curious about what Penub 
was a reference to or oh, like I, if that was i it saw was, what it was yeah it was uh eddie murphy's buckwheat character who sang like uh what's what's the song like we all want somebody pinup or like he would just sing yeah, songs yeah. incorrectly and one of them was like looking for love and all the wrong places or something like that i don't know it's probably okay. something that has okay. aged terribly but yeah. uh, <laughs> but i guess if you listen to it it sounds like he says mick and pinup instead of love so there was also uh, Ace Frehley's New York Groove, yeah, which, which I is. really wish had made it to the soundtrack. Uh, and it's during a, a pretty wild scene. It's it is a cover, two, but it's a great cover. That's right. Yeah, yeah. What happens in that scene, Chris? Uh, the <laughs> hand, which has now been cut off from Devin Sawa's uh, body, kills two uh, kiss like makeup uh, costume people. Yeah, because it's a and it's a Halloween uh, Halloween dance. Halloween dance and. Uh, it's one of those like, come on, babe, let's go. And she's like, yeah. it's hot in here. And he's like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's like one of those scenes where like that, that should have been the tone of the entire movie. Yeah. Like, Just a kind gr- of gratuitous boob scene. Gratuitous, gratuitous and like uh, good music and like stupid characters and like a, a <laughs> classic teen horror murder. Yeah, it's yeah. like two teens that are promiscuous go off by themselves and they get murdered by something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, but yeah, that didn't make it in. And then there was the the Two Live Crew song, which you even see part of the music video. Mm-hmm. Pop That Coochie. Pop That Coochie. <laughs> which is the edited version. It's really Pop That Pussy. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Pop That Coochie is dirtier. <laughs> yeah. How did that become the edited <laughs> The music video is out of control. <laughs> Dude, I love Two Live Crew. That's unabashedly. It was like, a great song, man. Great song. What is that? The Florida, Florida bass? Yeah, yeah. There were two songs by uh, David Garza that I went back and listened to that are, you know, not that bad, actually. Yeah. They're not that bad. I got excited because I saw that him open for like a, it was a Weezer concert and No Doubt concert. And I was like, uh, had never heard of him and saw him play. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to get to talk about David Garza. That's when, Wrong. <laughs> when he finds, when Devin Sawa finds Jessica Alba's diary. And then later when Vivica Fox enters the bowling alley. Vivica Fox playing the druid priestess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who just has a beef with the devil you know yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm into that and i think that uh it would have been great if she was one of the main characters uh, she kind of is but she is a, you're right a, sort of a tertiary like yeah. force in they the hardly explain wh- why she's there yeah is there anything else that uh things songs of note actually the uh the song at the beginning of the movie when he wakes up after uh killing his parents which he doesn't remember but then he slowly realizes that he can remember i don't know it's not explained very well Well, he's high all the time you know what i mean (laughs) uh the song is called peppy rock by btk yeah which is um has a good beat has a good bass line and uh but the the rap in the song is like very tame it's like the guy kind of just describing what he's doing he's like i'm singing the song and i write the song we're gonna do it all night long (laughs) pretty bad Uh, Blood Clot by Rancid is on there too. That's right. And I, I, I loved Rancid. BTK, I got it. It just reminds me of the uh, there's this, all, all the Bill Hader interviews mm-hmm. where he talks about when he was on SNL and they had. It's the, better uh, than watching Bill Hader on SNL. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, yeah, talking, yeah. <laughs> he loves telling the stories and he talks about how they had like a running joke where everybody had their Lorne impression and that's been a thing that's uh, happened for years and years mm-hmm. and like 
I think famously, uh, Dr. Evil that Mike Myers did was essentially Lauren Michaels. Which he apparently stole that impression from, from Dana, Dana Carvey. Carvey. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's for another but, but, podcast. But that's kind of another thing, but I think that, <laughs> yeah, I think that every, every time, because you're just up all night hanging out with people and everybody's like lives in fear of Lauren Michaels and like also spends all their time thinking about Lauren Michaels and just wants like Lauren Michaels to be their dad. Yeah. And so it's constant impressions, but the in the the cast when uh when Bill Hader was there, they the running joke was him name dropping serial killers. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it like it pains Lorne when he it's has like, to name I drop. Was, um in Napa with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, raising money to free BTK killer. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I was with uh, John Wayne Gacy and uh, he said I have to go to the bathroom I'm sure you do <laughs> you guys want to jump into track 5 please this is Rob Zombie with Dragula Hot Rod Herman Remix Hot Rod Herman remix. I feel like we've heard a few Hot Rod Hermans in our day. <laughs> we've heard this exact remix of this exact song on an, a soundtrack that came out the same year mm-hmm. that was scored by the same person. Graham Revell, who also the, did The yeah, Matrix. This was yeah. on The Matrix. Oh, it soundtrack. was The Matrix, yeah. 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 He yeah, loves this, Hot Rod Herman. Uh, <laughs> this is the worst of the Pee Wee movies, I think. <laughs> Hot Rod Herman. <laughs> Uh, this I I kind of maybe I'm getting a little bit sick of the remix, but this song is still really good. <laughs> Crazy music video for this song. I think that the music video is really good. I think that uh, we were talking about it earlier. I was ripping on Rob Zombie, and Caleb wouldn't let me. You I came like, I came to wrong. his defense because I think that <laughs> when, when we look back a lot of these, like I mean, <laughs> never mind Marilyn Manson's like uh, like legal nineties uh, moms were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he turns out All to be a terrible along. person. But there's kind of like a, this like, um, I feel like goth kind of curdled in the 90s, mm. where it used to be this kind of like slick, cool Bauhaus, like uh, Lords of Mercy type of thing. And then it like, it turned into this kind of like gritty, like mall kid thing, ICP kind of like uh, edgelord thing. Yeah. And so it's a lot of like music videos like, I'm going to be as gross and creepy and that, you know, and it's like, okay. Uh, and Rob Zombie, in my mind, was kind of part of that. But like looking back, especially at this video, it's much more. He, you know, it's like got all this. Like, you know, first of all, it's a reference to the Munsters, right? And we can get into this thread. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like a whole. <laughs> there's a lot of scholarship behind the uh, the Munsters reference. Yeah, great reporting by at uh, Fart on Twitter has <laughs> yeah, a wow. 21 post thread. At Fart was the- available, huh? <laughs> yeah, he got it early. <laughs> early adopters. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So, do you want me to go through that whole thing, or uh, well, to finish your point? And then we'll, I think we'll my point back. is that it's it's clear that he that he. I'm mean, obviously he's a movie fan because he's gone on to like direct a bunch of horror films. But he's we should say that he was also on MTV Cribs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but like I think that the so the aesthetic that he's adopting is this like nostalgic kind of in the same way the rockabilly. You know, it's like the hot rod with the monster driving it type of thing. Yeah, 
which was like kitschy and cool and kind of like tattoo culture. Yeah, and it's like campy and yeah, tongue in cheek a little there, bit. I feel like there's like a thing that it's it's a nerdy like appreciation for this kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I, in retrospect, I think I, I hold in much higher regard than like the Marilyn Manson, like Edgelord stuff. Yeah. Like the Dave Navarro, like look how. But anyways, Chris, uh, back Navarro. to at fart. Maybe you could, uh. Caleb's so, going to die on the Rob Zombie Hill. Dra- I don't know. That's the thing that I think about sometimes. Defend him to the grave. And then when he rises from the grave, defend him again. Uh, <laughs> Dragula is the, okay. So it's clearly a vehicle. Slam mm-hmm. in the back of my Dragula. Yeah. And at fart has made the um, astute point that the song is referencing what uh, the wrong vehicle, correct? Yeah. It is an episode of the Munsters where <laughs> Eddie Munster, I think, uh, challenges oh, hot another Rod kid. Herman. It's the Hot Rod Herman episode. Okay. And this okay. is the Hot Rod Herman uh-huh. remix. Uh-huh. It's, a whole, it's all coming together. Uh-huh. It's a whole my dad can, can outrace your dad classic and uh the monster dad is the frankenstein monster uh the big guy (laughs) and so it's the there they have a monster mobile or something it's called the monster coach the monster coach which is kind of like a tricked out hersey looking i don't know ford model t and so so they race and that's 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 the it's a car that i think is maybe even in the intro to the show Mm -hmm. it's a car that you see a lot it's like the family car uh but he loses right and then um uh grandpa monster who is like the the old uh vampire the mm-hmm. old dracula mm-hmm. he like either makes another car or he has a car hidden somewhere mm-hmm. and that is the dragula he constructs the dragula he, to uh, win back the prize which is like a like a real kick-ass fucking it's like one of those old school like uh you know when they were racing on like wooden tracks yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back defends honor and, and uh defeats uh, i guess hot rod herman mm-hmm. there you go thank you at fart but yeah. at fart his point of contention is that uh rob zombie is not only singing about a car when he's describing the dragula he describes a backseat which doesn't exist in the dragula only exists in the monster coach mm-hmm. And also in the video, he's clearly in the Munster coach and not the Dracula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so we, we got about 30 more minutes on this if you want. Uh, <laughs> but that's saying, our premium like, episode. <laughs> they came for Marilyn Manson, but Rob Zombie might not be far behind because some pretty clear evidence <laughs> that he's full of shit. <laughs> he's full of shit. And he knows. He had prior knowledge. He he's a fraud. He's, he's a, a fan of the Munsters. He knew. He knew the entire he time. He knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> Robbie... This is uh, this is playing on the TV. Uh, oh yeah, this you, is when we've got. Uh, you see a lot of music videos in this movie. Yeah, which is kind of cool. It's a lot about okay, talking about like we didn't know which movie we were in. It was like no, this is like a stoner like funny movie. It's about like stoner kids, and uh, Seth Green is throwing popcorn into Eldon Henson's mouth, who's they've come back as zombies, um, even though Devin Sawa has murdered them. But they're all like stoned, you know, just hanging out watching this stuff. And this is while he's knitting. It might be worth mentioning that this is a movie about a kid whose hand becomes possessed by a demon. Yes. And he, his hand is murdering people and he doesn't know. Yeah, I guess we should have. <laughs> yes, there is a demon that. seed Demons, that possesses his yeah, hand. Yeah. They don't really go into it much, but it's a traveling demon. There's a Vivica Fox is tracking it because there's all these murders. Yeah. And we, people are like uh, locked up and they didn't, they don't know why. And we never, I guess like the reason why it happens is because he's just like a lazy stoner and is just a do nothing kind of guy. Maybe. 
that's something that somebody mentions once, but uh, that's like pun- cosmic punishment for I being. I don't know if it's a, ever yeah, Jack Nosworthy says in the drive-through, yeah. uh, "Idle hands are the, the devil's, devil's playground. playground." So I think that's where the conceit lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he doesn't. Is he a reliable expert on anything? Because he has like a Motley Crue T-shirt. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Shout out the devil. He's listening. To- <laughs> he knows everything. He's the satanic expert. <laughs> that's like the leftover from the '80s, like satanic panic thing. Where yeah. it's oh like, my god. I mean the parental advisory sticker i mentioned before that you know that's like a tipper gore thing that yeah. you know d snyder from twisted sister you know went to bat for yeah. uh, in congress uh, eloquently yeah <laughs> very <know>? eloquently <laughs> surprised everyone but i mean it, there was the real like satan panic happening mm-hmm. uh probably it had probably petered out at this time but um yeah 80s like the satan panic was like in full swing of like what are our children listening to when ozzy osborne and judas priest in reality it should have been the congressmen are like so when you say she was only 16 but she looked a lot younger (laughs) i mean that's not a d snyder thing but there was a lot like winger (laughs) winger needs to be on trial for 17 Mm -hmm. she's only 17 Oh god, Kip, Kip Winger. Dad says she's too young, but she's old enough for me. That should have been her flag. That's what they should have been talking about. Oh no, but this guy has eyeshadow on, so let's fucking lock him up. Yeah. All right, uh, Nikki, what do we got next? Let's hear track six. Zebrahead, Mind Trip, Idle Hands Mix. It's a mind trip, 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 it's a mind Like there's too much to say about this track. I mean, it's very late nineties old rock. I remember what was that one called again? Mind trip. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I remember it's I remember Zebrahead as being kind of like the uh you know, maybe not the creed to uh Rage Against the Machines Pearl Jam, but something kind of in that. Because, you know, i feel like they came out like a couple years after Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm weren't terrible like you you had like a zebra head phase chris <laughs> he's looking at chris no, no i'm denying it <laughs> i've seen your eyes light up a little bit on mention of zebra head you're uh, like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I downloaded a few in the, this is the napster days and i remember yeah, right. like it the algorithm kind of led me to or, or like my own algorithm like oh okay when i search for this this stuff pops up and so i downloaded a few and it was yeah it was me searching for rage against the machine and like I don't know, like the Melvins or something, and then like this mm-hmm. somehow popped up. I don't know, maybe not Melvins, but um, Limp Biscuit, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it kind of led me to here, and so I had some Zebrahead on my Winamp playlist for a while, but um, I think that was the extent of it. It never made it onto my burn CDs. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't mind moving on. I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> P-O- you know what i was looking for pod that's what i was really looking for Ooh. which, <laughs> which uh, talk about the creed too <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay if you think rage against the machine isn't palatable enough this <laughs> these guys are talking about jesus <laughs> rage that's against right. machine i definitely i'm i i regret not being a bigger fan of theirs i remember when they came out you know i liked uh bulls on parade there was something it was something like uh I just kind of like the white guy screamy version of rap that I think as a kid I was kind of like a, a little bit distrustful of. 
Mm-hmm. Where I was like, ah, I can just listen to rap. I don't need this guy. Uh, but as I get older and as my as I become like a radical leftist, I'm like, fuck, man, they were great. Well, I they love great. I love them, but I I just don't agree with their politics. <laughs> I just don't agree well, was, with the rage against it Paul Ryan. Politics. Paul Ryan. Somebody asked him what his favorite band was to like when he was because he was always in the gym. It's yeah, like yeah. Yeah. so, uh, Paul Ryan. When you're in the you know the White House gym or whatever, what are you? It's like oh, Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> Tom Rell was like, fuck. <laughs> there was this big like you know Twitter thing where all these uh, like right wing people were like, stay out of politics, Tom Morello, and he was like, are you? I've only been saying stuff. It's like look at the name of my fucking band. Oh my god, he's had so many great Twitter moments lately. Like uh, people, so many not, bands too. People Jeez. not realizing that he's like half black, which is another big one where he says something. They're like, well, you can't buy. You know, okay, you had a couple albums in the '90s, but I don't think we need to listen to you now. And he's like. Oh, no, I'm I'm black. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh yeah. Oh, Tom Morell is the man. Yeah. This song uh, supposedly appears in the movie, but uh, I don't think we were able to track it down. At which point it plays. Uh, listeners, write in. Um, worth mentioning, there's a movie starring Michael Rapaport by Oliver Stone called Zebrahead as well. <laughs> that's, that's a, real, a real who's who of people that won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to hear track seven? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Static X, push it. I remember these oh fucking boy. guys. <laughs> Can't say I ever listened to Static X. Well, I remember them. They were like a big, like radio talk radio show breaker song. Like if you were like Love Line or something like that, because it was like a a real, it was like exciting thing to like go into. Hey, and then we're back in the air. Blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, it's you know much more of a ministry era, like industrial rock inspired '90s, like kind of rap rocky. Uh, the lead singer and kind of front man, I think he went by Wayne Static. Wayne Static. Wayne Static. Uh, yeah. I think he's passed away, but he, you would recognize him if for nothing else, if you've ever seen a, a Slim Jim commercial. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the Slim Jim. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. He's never knew Slim Jim. They had some music on the uh, Queen of the Damned uh, soundtrack that uh, Jonathan Davis from Corn did a bunch of music for as well. Yeah. People from uh, that era. That's a soundtrack that I see people um, nostalgic for. People. Uh, that's one that we probably have to do. That was like the it's Aaliyah, Aaliyah. as yeah, the yeah. vampire queen awoken yeah. from a slumber, and she it, died like midway through filming that one. Correct? Maybe it was. Um, that was like the ill-fated sequel to Interview with a Vampire, oh. where a uh, different actor played Lestat. It was uh, Stuart Townsend who was supposed to be the Viggo Mortensen in The Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but they like fired him after a week or something and got Viggo in. Whoa, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. It's like the uh, Back to the Future it's thing. A back to, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. Back to the Future. Oof, God, missed out on a big payday there. Yeah, the real punch in the balls. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> static, got- static X, I'm going to file under new metal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's more hardcore. It's more, it's more industrial. This is, I think that they even cop to trying to do, it's like, this is weird 
club music, kind yeah. of like when we were uh, back when we did the Bad Boy soundtrack, and there was all like the Industrial whenever they're club, in the yeah. Miami club, yeah, which makes no sense, but it just has like the leather and like you know harnesses, and, and it was stuff. like KMFDM and stuff like that. Because it's like if you listen to this, it actually has like a dance beat. Mm-hmm. It's much more like uh, danceable than than you would say any new metal. So I think that's why it's more industrial in my mind, at least. What was it about this era and like the worst hair and facial <laughs> hair? Like they, people were battling it out for like <laughs> who can have the most like nonsense hairdo. I think the Anthrax guy he had that weird like raccoon Scott beard. Ian. Scott Ian, yeah. Um, Slipknot had some pretty wild looking hairdo. Well, maybe not Slipknot, but who who am I thinking of that had like the uh, one dude looks oh, like dude, Prodigy had pretty bad. Prodigy. The the shave down the middle with on the sides, little spiky horns. Yeah, somebody had hair like, horns. Literally, they used bugles in his head. First, <laughs> and I can't remember the name of the band, but it was hilarious. There's a Prodigy poster in. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The kids' bedroom. It's a Prodigy poster that I remember yeah, yeah. so clearly, and I think is actually pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like very uh, cartoony. It looks like, it's like the gorillas. Yeah, yeah, like a little bit gorillasy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I liked Static X. I, I was definitely, there was a part of me that could have leaned into this a little bit more than I, I did. And I, I kind of thank God uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. But it was like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade a little bit. And mm-hmm. like, I would have like had to find new friends and I just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? I was like, you guys, you guys want to hear some real music? And I was like, no. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then like, I just relented and then like went, preppier i guess uh-huh. and like also it's an uphill battle if you're like also trying to get a girlfriend like, <laughs> you know, like it's just it's a smaller pool to draw from i mm-hmm. think but i think about um like these these types of musical genres there's like a lot of genres that kind of slowly mutate over time and it allows artists to kind of uh develop and and they sound different from album to album and then there's, um, I think, you know, going back to disco, there's kind of like these genres that just get canceled. And it's like, if you're, if you're Static X and you're like a 90s like metal guy, yeah. it's like you just have to go into witness relocation for like a couple decades until your fans are old enough to be like, dude, I would go see Static X yeah, like type of thing. Getting back together. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it was the same with like the boy band culture of like now it's like, oh, like new kids on the block and I was like yeah they were awesome they were like no, they just hard stop though you're so right <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it didn't continue and like evolve into something else it was just like nope yeah, yeah. emo ended <laughs> and we have to like, wait yeah. and go back into hibernation and emerge when the cicadas come back like, out yeah we gotta, <laughs> we gotta put them in the hyperbaric chamber for 17 years <laughs> yeah and then we let them out and they mate and then they die and they've gotta you know <laughs> get their kids college fund going so they organize a tour you know <laughs> dude even the cicadas it's a uh, brood x sounds like a new metal band <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. it's time it's time dude speaking of uh, new metal bands track eight disappointment incorporated bleeding boy
You heard that correct. That's Disappointment Incorporated, Bleeding Boy, a song that was maybe chosen just for its title yeah. to be included on the soundtrack. It's a, it's a little bit of a song out of time. This is a band that I, I think only had one album released, or at least one album that I could find. I couldn't find much information on it. But like, uh, like the, especially the vocals, these are like almost like... Like, like Mars prog, Volta or prog like at rock the, at or the drive-in? Like Journey or like... Uh, I feel like there's like a little bit of like... <laughs> <laughs> it was not like this was not how people were uh the orthodoxy of what like 90s rock voices were this didn't really fall into that which is kind of like fun for me to listen to um it's not something that i love but i i was kind of interested to hear this song yeah it's better than static x oh yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah but this movie does star a bleeding boy um chops his own hand off and yeah all uh evil dead it's yeah like, like very evil dead very evil dead 2 is when he chops his own hand off that has become possessed he tries to microwave his hand yeah i'm trying to remember because that's a great scene evil dead 2 is just a comic remake of evil dead 1 like the story's the same i can't remember maybe he doesn't chop off his hand though it's, it, the end of evil dead he realizes he can't escape and then it's like night two but it's basically just a bigger budget they kind of redid evil yeah, yeah. evil dead but this is he uh it's the evil dead too and i think the whole premise of this movie was like hey that's a great scene what if we made a whole movie about that <laughs> well it's kind of yeah his friends uh there's a real like lazy explanation but his friends come back after he kills them they mm-hmm. come back a la uh american werewolf in yeah. london I, I love the explanation though it's like yeah we saw these like angels or whatever they were too stoned to go to heaven and we we're like ah, it's like far <laughs> like this is really good like if if this movie were more about just the three of them being like stoner you know one of them with the possessed hand and the other two were zombies i think if they leaned into that a little bit more maybe mm-hmm. this would have had some more coherence but it was kind of all over the place <laughs> well we so we watched the movie together uh which is maybe so you guys won't be surprised by any of my uh stunning revelations about the film but the thing that i was bitching about the whole time is that you didn't get any time to know the characters yeah because the first time you see the main character he's already killed his parents mm-hmm. and he he doesn't really know but it's like yeah we don't know how he got possessed and right. then there's like one scene with his friends be and then the next scene i think you see them he like kills them so it's kind of like we should mention that the uh, hand was played by the same hand actor from the Adams family. Oh yeah, yeah, the cousin it hand, the cousin it hand from so. like all three. I think there was three Adams family movies. Um, the third one, yes, but it was a different cast, maybe except for the hand. I think he was in all three of them. It's he's the uh, I was saying the Andy Circus. Uh, he's Christopher <laughs> Hart, and he's like a magician. Yeah, guy. he's a magician. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we got to get Christopher Hart. We got it. He's yeah, the only one that knows how to do it. <laughs> well, the guy. That was the thing in uh, Labyrinth, right? Where it was, it's that uh, that famous, he's not really a magician, but he... Michael Motion. A, Michael Motion. Oh, with, the closest with, thing to real magic that I've seen. Yeah, the crystal ball stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Henson. He has the closest thing to uh, to real magic that I've seen. Uh, oh, dude, I'm all about Michael Motion. So. <laughs> but yeah, this guy, so, you know, it would have been funny if... if you'd see some like behind the scenes and like all the early scenes where uh, his hand is just possessed and it shows like the making of and Michael motion (laughs) arm in the guy's sweater behind (laughs) David Bowie doing the the ball juggling. Oh man, dude, look up Michael motion and like, uh, (laughs) the labyrinth, which came first? Was it like, well, we got to have David Bowie's character juggle balls. And I was like, well, if we do that, we got to have Michael motion. Or is it like, we got to put Michael Motion in a movie, so let's have mm. 
David Bowie juggling balls. I kind of imagine it's like some like producer was crazy about Michael Motion. It's like, yeah. so we get Bowie together and Michael Motion. They spend like a weekend together and you just teach him how to do it. Yeah. It's like, what? I've devoted my life to this. It's like, yeah, yeah maybe he could just, just quickly. <laughs> it took me years to master the art of ball juggling. Guys, it looks like we're coming up on a break. Oh, good. All right. Uh, this episode is flying by, but uh, at the end of the episode, we are going to have to add a song to the Tracklisting Spotify playlist. Uh, in honor of Idle Hands, we're going to add one of our favorite demonic songs. Yeah. That's right, and I've got a game prepared for us after the break. Ooh. I know nothing about it, but I'm excited. I'm excited too. So stick with us. right welcome back to the idle hand soundtrack i've got a game prepared for us this is an edition of covers blown yeah oh, okay. old school <laughs> covers blown i'm excited all right i'm ready yeah. we're working together now we're playing against each other play play how you will against against yeah all right you're on oh, yeah. you're on man slice of pieces <laughs> on the line here <laughs> covers blown for anyone who hasn't played i'm going to read uh, a song that has been covered by an artist there will be three choices one of which is correct and so are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. Round one. The song is Baby It's Cold Outside. Oh, oh boy. It's an old, uh, old classic. Mm-hmm. Won the Academy for Best Original Song in uh, 1949. Yeah. Uh, problematic? What do we think? I've heard, I've heard it's come full circle. Wait, what is the uh, Baby It's Cold Outside? Yeah. I think... Uh, <laughs> it's a good song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little creepy, but... Uh, Many creepy songs. I don't have a <laughs> Baby It's Cold Outside has been covered. Has it been covered by Nora Jones and Willie Nelson? <sighs> has it been covered by Elton John and Madonna? Hmm. Or has it been covered by Lucinda Williams and John Mayer? I'll let you guys discuss. <sighs> okay. Right, we're against each other, so I'm gonna stonewall you. You don't get to discuss you don't get to bounce your ideas <laughs> off of me, man. <laughs> Do you want to team yeah, up? Yeah, Do you yeah. want to team up? Yeah. Okay. So They're shaking my, hands already. It seems to me. Wait, that turned around so quickly. <laughs> we're friends. We're friends. Yeah. We're we're like almost best friends. The three of us are best friends. The three uh, of us are best friends. So, Lucinda Williams and John Mayer seems too recent to dodge the uh, rapey connotations. See, I think I think if this was like 2012, it would make sense. I think I feel like people have been fucking ringing, ringing the alarm on this song for a while and i think that the madonna elton john i think that it's the first one i think nora jones and, and willie, willie nelson. nelson willie nelson they, they're both willie nelson had all of his money confiscated by the federal government <laughs> and he was game for a lot of collaboration yeah okay and put out a lot of like kind of adult contemporary yeah. duet type stuff and i feel like nora jones definitely functions in that world of like you know, in the way that Lady Gaga had like the Tony Bennett albums and yeah. lot of, like Nora yeah. Jones was like, she was doing that for sure. You know, even though she was in her thirties, her like target audience was in the fifties. So yeah. it's like, there was a lot of like, okay, that's the one, that's what seems right to me. What do you think? All right, you go for it and I'm going to break this friendship for a second <laughs> oh. and I'm going to go John Mayer. I'm going to, I'm going right. to turn heel. I'm going wow. John Mayer. The tables have turned again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
our alliance is already dissolved. It's, yeah, I instantly right. blew it up. I'm going to lock this in. This is more entertaining than the answer. <laughs> Nora Jones and Willie Nelson. Lucinda Williams, John Mayer. Although, lock it in. I will say the one thing in your defense is that this, the nature of the game requires yeah. probably a bad cover. I'm trying to get in. The Nora Jones, Willie Nick Nelson Legrass one might be kind of good. I'm trying to get in Nick Lagrasse's skin. <laughs> All right, let's Think hear. like let's, Nick. Let's hear the answer. Here's your answer to round one. Oh, that's John Mayer's guitar work right there. <laughs> Best guitarist out there. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. Sounds like Willie. That's Willie Nelson and Nora Jones. Baby, it's cold outside. What a classic. <laughs> oh, you've made a powerful enemy today, Chris. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you guys aren't going to survive this. We're only on round one. <laughs> uh, thank you, Willie and... Nora for this uh, yeah thing I mean, that no one asked for really. <laughs> <laughs> the song's been covered by tons of people. It was first made popular by uh, Dean Martin and uh, Ray Charles and many others. Did David Bowie do something? He's a little drummer boy, I know, but did he do a no, 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 He might that. have. I think I did see that. But. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. You guys ready for round two? Let's I am. Do it. The song is "Ain't Too Proud to Beg." Yeah. It's a uh, classic song by the Temptations for Motown. Mm-hmm. It's been covered by a ton of people. Uh, Rolling Stones did a very famous cover of that. But for this round, was Ain't Too Proud to Beg covered by Rick Astley? Was it covered by Sammy Hagar? Or was it covered by Don Henley? I'll let you discuss. Damn. All those sound like very plausible to me. Don Henley was one of the lead singers of the Eagle. Mm-hmm. Of remember. Eagle. It's Eagles. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's the, the Eagle. Eagle. Yeah, I think it's the, <laughs> Eagle. the Eagle. 97.9, the Eagle. <laughs> uh, so it seems clear to me, I think, what I'm going with. Okay. Um, but since we've had our falling out. <laughs> yeah, since we've had our falling out. Uh, I think Sammy Hagar makes the most sense because I can just hear him screaming... Uh, that seems like he decided to do the cover before he even listened to the song. Ain't you proud to bear at me? Cabo wabo, baby. Cabo wabo. Bullshit. I can't drive 55. Uh, <laughs> High on Cabo wabo. You know, Ain't you proud to bear? Yeah, that's good. Uh, okay, we get it. You know who Sammy Hagar is. <laughs> I think also Rick Astley makes sense because he's that like baritone voice. Yeah, I think he's emulate. He was always emulating like uh, yeah. those Motown singers. Rick Astley for me, kind of, uh, I would say maybe second generation blue eyed soul. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, I think that that's makes the most sense. That's what I'm going to lock in with. You're going to lock in Rick Astley. I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to go with my gut and do Sammy Hagar. Mm. Yeah, Sammy. Hagar. <laughs> it's never too late to mend a friendship. <laughs> Now I, I'm I'm dug in. I'm dug in. I won't I won't go back. Yeah. Now that I'm ahead, I, I will never be friends with Chris. You gotta again. say, covers blown. It's a very polarizing game. <laughs> you guys ready for the answer to round two? Let's yeah. Rick Astley himself. I got a little spooked. Some of those uh, bongos sounded a little bit islandy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, ooh, my heart. Yeah, I know. I went to the whole gamut. All right. 
Uh, that would have been so much better in the Big Chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a bad cover, but I'm into it. Oh, man. Right. Big Chill. Check out our Big Chill episode. Yeah, that was a great episode. You guys ready for round three? Yeah. How many rounds are there, by the way? I got to make sure. This is the last round. So I can't win. Oh, I'm just going to leave the studio. I'm going to walk out. <laughs> Declare victory. Well, this one's for all the points, right? Making the <laughs> this, other, this is. This is this for all the marbles. This is for all the pizza. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's how the game is played. Yeah. The song is Wider Shade of Pale. Okay. You may know that song. Procol Harem? That is right, Caleb. Also Procol. from the Big Chill soundtrack. That's right. That is right, Caleb. You cribbing the Big Chill? <laughs> oh, yeah. We should say this episode is sponsored by the Big Chill episodes of the same podcast. <laughs> Brought oh, you by you the know. great guys at track listing. <laughs> Seth Green thought he was making a Big Chill. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, was Wider Shade of Pale covered by Cindy Lauper? Was it covered by Annie Lennox? Or was it covered by Paula Abdul? Hmm. Please discuss. I feel like I remember Annie Lennox covering that. Annie Lennox is a glutton for covering songs. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that I think that people don't don't recognize. Definitely not Paul Abdul. You Definitely know. not. Not dancey enough. No, not dancey enough. Um, I'm going to say Lopper. I'm going to say Annie Lennox. I'm going to say uh, Annie. Cindy, Cindy Lauper is famous for some covers, but I... I, this is Annie Lennox territory for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. Uh, I'm gonna go Annie Lennox, and I'm gonna also ask if we can be friends again. I'm, I'm we're it's too far. That's okay. Yeah, we're, we're beyond that now. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you when you need me. Well, so. it's like I, I feel like I'm on top, and it's just like really hard to be friends with people that are in the gutter. Yeah, I'm with crawling. no points. I'm on my fucking knees here, man. I'm on my I, knees. I had no idea the game was gonna go in this direction. <laughs> no point having piece of shit. All right. You guys ready for the answer to round three? Yes, please. <laughs> Annie Lennox oh, is my... This is Wider Shade of Pale. Bye. I'm feeling good about yeah, this. Yeah, I feel it's, it's some Annie. Could still be Lopper. And Definitely honestly, not Paul Abdul. I mean, Paula could be in there, too. No. Same era of... might be the worst cover we've heard so far. We skip the life and angle. That's Annie. That's Annie. That's Annie Lennox. Good job, guys. That's from Annie's uh, 1995 album, Medusa. Ooh. I do love Annie Lennox. She's Not a great cover, but I love her. I don't hate that. I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot worse than the original. Do you guys but. hate each other? <laughs> I mean, balls in Caleb's court, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees here, man. Chris is wearing his uh, track listing hard on his sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got all the points. I might as well have all the friends. I accept you back. All right. On my terms. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you guys for playing. Yeah, that was yeah. a good game. That was a good game. All right. Threw one of us for a loop. Can't remember, can't remember who? Maybe a little too bit too easy for some of us, but maybe a little yeah. too hard for the others. I don't know. The good news is there's more from the Idle Hands soundtrack. Yeah. All right. We're going to jump back in on track number nine. This is Unwritten Law with Kaylin. thought I'd loved a few. Yeah, no one ever made me feel the way that you do. And hey, little girl, look what you do. Oh, I love you. Hey, little girl. 
had to <laughs> I had to include the very wiki wiki the very subdued scratching solo. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> a very a very heartfelt song with a very heartfelt music video. It's like a Little song girl. a song about the uh, lead singer's daughter. Yeah, yeah that's the, she's, uh, she's in the music video as well. It's, it's, it's very singers. cute. It's very cute, and that's it's nice. one of those things where it, um, I think it has to do with kind of the ambiguity of rock lyrics, where everything. People have made like a case that um, in country music, and I think in like early soul music, there's like a specificity where it's like this is a song about this actual person I know, and yeah. like you tell a story or whatever. In rock lyrics, it's everything is like kind of ambiguous. Yeah, you make it universal by being like. Uh, but then I think the danger of that is that how do you distinguish between songs about the lead singer's daughter yeah. and songs about the thirteen-year-old that? they have a crush on <laughs> thin lizzie has one about uh my sarah yeah yeah, yeah and i love like, that song and it's really crazy like, it's his daughter right <laughs> yeah it's, it's gotta be his daughter yeah <laughs> uh the, the like the especially earlier in this song um the guitar part is very close to sweet home alabama in my opinion no <laughs> hard hard disagree really yeah no. i don't think so i was I getting like a fountains of wayne yeah. vibe from this band i uh i'm telling you if i had picked early an earlier part of the track it would just be sweet home alabama but i needed that sweet scratch solo so i had to sacrifice <laughs> one of the jokes it's a great song i used to love that song yeah. yeah this is playing during the uh anticlimactic ending uh, where Jessica Alba is strapped to a car. Oh my god! And uh, being uh, like attempting, it, it's like in the auto shop, the shop class thing, and she's like about to go to the ceiling, which is like a portal to hell. But um, then Pot saves the day, sort of. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, <laughs> very confusing. He finds like a muffler backpack that someone fashioned into a uh, a bong. Yeah, Peanut claims to have made like a <laughs> a, a muffler bong, him. and then nobody believes him. <laughs> Because he also claimed to have made the ashtray. <laughs> so he's either a right. fucking liar. Uh, maybe Penub. Penub. But um, that is the theatrical ending. The theatrical ending. They reshot the ending. And Nick and I have seen the original ending, which you can find on YouTube. Yeah, maybe you guys could tell me about this original ending. So I guess uh, Ronald Flender... Flynn? Flynn, Flynn <laughs> Flamen. Uh, what is it? Rodman Flenderman. Ro- Rodman Flender, I think. Rodman Flender. Rodman had a, has a great little speech before like one of the DVD extras that was like, um, we had an original ending and in, in it, you know, Vivica Fox throws, uh, this little like uh, Druid knife, this Chris into the hand and it just goes like, and like kind of <laughs> dies. And then like Seth Green's like, that was it. No explosion. No, what? no crazy ending. And, uh, Robin was saying like, actually there was a big explosion and we thought it didn't quite like the alternate ending didn't quite fit the tone of the film, which I think he's right. And in, in that alternate ending, Jessica Alba is hanging from the pool. Uh, she's like hides on the diving board for some reason. It's right after her friend gets sucked up into that, uh, industrial fan <laughs> yeah. and she wanders into the high school, like pool, the pool. Yeah. And she's like hiding from the hand on the diving board. Don't know why she would have done that. A terrible decision. Yeah. <laughs> no escape. And then, um, she gets like knocked off and she's clinging to it and the pool turns into like a portal to hell. Yeah. And she's like hanging on for a long time. Devin Sawa comes in. Vivica Fox comes in. So does Randy. Uh, and they're... Uh, oh, we got to talk about the hands. Hands come out of the wall and they grab <laughs> and like they're clinging... Uh, like Frighteners style. Yeah, like Labyrinth style hands. Uh, and they're like, you know, 
clinging them and then somehow Devin breaks free and I think Vivica again throws the sword or, or does Devin throw it? I can't remember. I think she throws the, uh, the dagger to dagger. Devin, kills the hand. The portal to hell doesn't close, That's which right. it's supposed to on time. It still needs a sacrifice, yeah. we're told by uh, the almighty druid priestess. Yes, yes. And so it's still hungry. Yes, and uh, Devin decides to sacrifice himself. But right as he jumps off the diving board, the portal closes and he lands on an empty pool. Yeah. And then we then we cut to the same ending from the movie where he's uh, in recovery in the hospital. He's, he's still laid out. So that was that was so uh, still up. the original yeah. ending. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and then but there's a know, big explosion with the hand and stuff. Big and explosion. Like, Vivica yeah. Fox, I think, still says that line after the hand is killed. Yeah. Time for the ritualistic sex. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Every, I don't know. Every woman don't know. in this movie just serves the the what male the, fantancy. Yeah. What's that ending? But yeah. yeah, the ending probably would have been better. This is, I think, I'm the, the reality. Better, the reality of the movie is that I think that they made a bad movie, and then because of Columbine, they like uh, shelved it. But then I think also part of the shelving was that um, it was testing so poorly yeah. because it was a bad movie. It, they uh, retweaked yeah. it, to and death. so then it was just kind of like if we have this thing that we can't we feel like we can't release for like months and then they just keep like well like maybe we put together some money and try to like fix this and it's like eh, they were saying know, man. they said like it didn't fit the tone of the film yeah. and then uh flender was saying that like well and then the testing they were like we want pot to save the day we want jessica alva's clothes to get ripped off oh, and i was like is that the, <laughs> the marketing team said that <laughs> that's what they look at this data it, you need to be more naked that's what the data shows. So go ahead and do it. <laughs> like it was such a weird, um, unnecessary move. And you're like, okay, all right, that doesn't make any sense. But, and like, I, something about maybe they were a little bit too early for the pot movie. I mean, when did Half Baked came out? Maybe at the around, around the same time? I think it was kind of around the same time. Also, an impossible soundtrack to find. Oh, yeah. But we found it. We did we it. Found it. Found it, unfortunately. Um, so maybe yeah maybe they were trying to ride half baked like oh it's, this has got to be more of a pot movie because it seems so forced um, I think smoking out of the muffler bong right doesn't make sense and the the second opportunity that uh, Penub and uh, <laughs> Seth Green's character have to go to heaven they, we, they, they decide to go this time around yeah I think it's funny we keep talking about Penub and that's the only character name we've like mentioned the entire time the main character the Devin Sawa's character is Anton Anton, Anton named yeah, after Anton. like Anton, Anton. Salovey yeah um, <laughs> who is he's like the the head of the Church of Satan yeah right yeah or uh, I think he's passed away at this point but uh, <laughs> little nod to Satan <laughs> There's a lot of nodding in this film. Yeah. The Shining. Uh, I thought the... Um, some Carrie references. The Carrie right? references during the prom. I thought like the big... Um, the lights that came down. I think there's some... Of course, Evil Dead 2. What else? Oh, oh, and um, they're watching Day of the Dead yeah, on yeah. TV. There's a lot of zombie... And like the zombie stuff, of course. So it's it's a nod to a bunch of horror films, clearly. An homage. I, don't, I think I would have been okay with that ending. Yeah, I I understand the tone didn't quite fit because it wasn't funny. There was nothing funny right. about it. But I still don't... Yeah, the stakes definitely went up. I feel like the actual ending of the film happened so kind of abruptly that I don't even really remember. It's like, yeah, they just kind of 
kept going and kind of just like smoke weed and then the movie's over the biggest problem is that i mean i guess the only characters that get humanized enough for you to actually care about them are the dead friends who are already dead yeah and they come back as guardian angels yeah (laughs) they're like let's check out this let's walk through a human nurse yeah (laughs) some of them are guys careful (laughs) (laughs) sure you guys made it to Heaven? Heaven? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think even Seth Green, like commenting on his character, commenting on, it's like, that's it? That's the ending? It's like, so you guys knew that this was anticlimactic. <laughs> You're acknowledging it. Why? Just fucking make it, make it explode. Who cares? What happened, Rodman? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Jim Chalamet. <laughs> All right, maybe we should go to the next track. Let's jump into track 10. This is The Vandals with My Girlfriend's Dead. is the vandals um one of the things that i realized uh listening to the soundtrack is um uh, a few episodes ago we we featured the orange county soundtrack and i made a case that um there was like the california sound which in rock and roll there like had been a california sound um throughout the decades until the 90s when you know it became like the northwest and this and that and that they never really recovered mm-hmm. um but i listen to this and this is like a little bit later i think that the orange county soundtrack was like mid 90s and this is you know almost 2000s but kind of the the nauseating pop punk sound that was dominating this time like all the a lot of these bands are 90 are like california bands we haven't really yeah. mentioned it yeah but offspring it's uh, very this, california this, this band movie. yeah well, the, their album that this song was on uh was titled hitler bad vandals good yeah i really like that album. <laughs> Uh, well, it's better than their previous one, which was Live Fast Diarrhea. <laughs> well, you guys, 1995. You know, this is the thing. Earlier you were mentioning uh, Blink-182's album Enema of the State, and you didn't even mention. Everybody knows Enema of the State. And by the way, it's like, yeah, dude, they're all idiots. These Take off are, your pants and jacket was another Blink album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These guys are all idiots. We know this. They're all California idiots. And the narrative in that song, too, is I like, think that we're proving my point that you can hear these California idiots singing and it sounds like California idiots. And I, I applaud them for that. The, in the, the lyrics in that song, the, you know, someone's been dumped and doesn't want to admit it. So mm-hmm. he just goes on to describe all these like gratuitously violent deaths of his ex yeah. rather than just say that he got dumped probably because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> but it, I, I actually, <laughs> I like, I think it's a fun conceit for a song and I think it's kind of a perfect song for the movie. And that uh, I don't know if this is in on, in the actual movie. It is not. This in did the not make movie. it. This according to our research, this research. would have been a perfect song. Top uh, much more appropriate than the song about the the guy's like uh, daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, this is like you know, it's it's comedy. It's a uh, teen. It's a uh, horror. It's got like a one one of the um, plot lines that kind of just disappears is that Jessica Alba's a bassist. She's a musician. <laughs> And I think in a deleted scene, it sh- or, or you can see a scene in the movie where she's like playing the bass in the background, 
and it was like a storyline that kind of just got swept away. But remember, he finds um, Anton finds her like diary, and it's full of like lyrics, and then some like bass songs, and then he sings one of the songs that or like quotes dude, it, and she's like, "Whoa, <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> it is, uh, dude. The writing in this. So he 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 sees her drop a thing, right? And he's like, "I'm gonna go talk to her. This yeah. is my my excuse." So he Pre- runs out, picks it up, runs up, gives it to her. And then she like wants to sleep with him immediately. Yeah, which is so bizarre. And his hands already possessed by this point in a in a way that's like yeah, he's just he's just around. starting to realize that it's possessed. But then uh, later he he reveals that he has memorized some of her lyrics, uh, but he doesn't even have time to open it. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, first of all, it's creepy to have memorized that. Second of all, it doesn't make sense with the story. Yeah. Oh my and God. he's like a stoner that doesn't care about anything too. So like for him to memorize something that quickly is <laughs> not that conceivable. <laughs> and he's also when he finds out that he's murdered his entire family, he like uh, and his best friends, even though they come back to life, he's murdered everybody he cares about. And he is like so overcome by horniness that he he's kind of <laughs> doesn't even mention any of that for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Pretty wild. <laughs> I, I was laughing about like, okay, Devin saw Sawa, Devin Sawa, uh Thank does you, some does some great <laughs> physical acting in this like he yeah. clearly worked really hard and like i was reading some of the trivia and like he was ad-libbing a lot and like improvise like there's that scene when he smokes the nutmeg and then he like puts like liquid soap in his mouth and like apparently he just did that like off the cuff like he worked really hard yeah he he's like, like selling out on the uh physical bits of and, like a hand yeah. being not part of your body and I really want to go to bat at like the next party I go to be like, you want to see one of the best comedic like performances <laughs> you've ever seen? You're going to think I'm crazy. Devin Sawa, it's some of the best physicality I've seen from an actor, period. He deserves a better period. movie. The performance does pr- deserve a better movie. He worked but so hard. That can be said for a lot of performances in this movie. Oh, man. Except true. for maybe Jessica. This movie's not going to win any awards. <laughs> How are you guys feeling about track 11? Uh, I don't know. Let's listen. Yeah, I've got to hear it first and then I can decide. This is Lion Rock, Rude Boy Rock. There we go. This is a new scam. Get ready. Yeah, we got no 90s uh, soundtrack would be complete without some kind of like, you know, sampled music, some big beat. <laughs> yeah. Some like Fat Boy Slim kind this of big uh, beat. sample music. I think that there was there was such an opportunity for lazy sampling in the 90s. And that uh, this is like back in the era. I feel like it doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it does. But it's like now like old music is so available where in the 90s it's like you know you know whatever reggae song this is heavily cribbing like heavily sampled from is probably you know maybe it didn't even get like a cd release maybe it was only in vinyl or something and it's like uh lion rock this is a a production maybe duo i can't even remember maybe it's just one guy we talked about them some they had a a track on the go soundtrack which Mm -hmm. we reviewed a while ago um but it's like obvious that it's like this song is not much better than the original song it's cribbing or even you know i mean it's probably a lot worse but it's just like you just took the one thing you made it sound a little bit 90s yeah. it's a little then, bit louder 
it's like that kind of the south park like sample and add base equals profit <laughs> it's like okay and at the episode where uh, stan's dad like it's revealed that he is lord <laughs> oh, yeah, <I> <laughs> yeah. he's uh, like you gotta get garage band it's amazing <laughs> this song is playing uh when anton comes home and finds that the hand has escaped from the microwave and uh right up to that was a pretty great scene with um Peanut and Mick, and they're like, they're like, oh, we're back from the gas station. Like, we got this microwavable burrito, and they're like, oh, should we clean out the microwave? And he's like, yeah, and maybe we clean the whole house while we're at it. Pff, whatever, dude. <laughs> it's such a great. And then the hand shoots out. Yeah, yeah and they're like, oh. Anyway, <laughs> I feel, yeah, you just reminded me. It's definitely like a Gremlins uh, reference earlier, right? Like killing in the microwave. I yeah, think that's the way one of the Gremlins went out. Yeah, yeah. I think Seth Green did pretty good in this movie. Actually. Seth Green's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a, a absolutely um, up his alley, and I think he he was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> he was like a he was high school appropriate in casting for probably twenty years, yeah. and this one. You know what? I I haven't looked at, I haven't crunched the numbers, but I would guess he's ten years out of high school. Yeah, but yeah. still, like, okay, he's passable. And then passable. he's zombied up most of the he's movie too. Up most so, of the time. and yeah, this is right around can't hardly wait time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was also in the the Buffy TV show. Yeah, but he's. I, I think I saw some like Halloween costume of somebody with the bottle through the head, and the other person with like the duct taped neck. I was like, oh, that's a really good like duo costume. Like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Reanimator was probably is a bit of an homage to Reanimator because Peanub's carrying his head around for a bit and like good special effects like the special effects in this movie are, are pretty darn good mm-hmm. for 1999. Yeah, I always <laughs> I love it in movies like this where they they do like the special effects for a while and then some characters like I can't I can't talk to you this way I'm gonna just tape your head back onto your body yeah and make you look normal again yeah, cause it's like a production thing it's like okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah we can't green screen this whole fucking thing yeah, it's oh like, my god just what put an... the head back on yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah i i'm not a big fan of this song it it makes me nostalgic because i remember in the 90s like this shit was everywhere the kind of like a uh, third tier chemical brothers like sample heavy yeah, shit fat boy slam yeah 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 and it, yeah, I guess it makes me a little bit happy to hear something weird like this on the soundtrack. At least it was in the movie. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You guys want to hear track 12? I'd love to. Last track? Almost. Second to last. Okay. Penultimate. This is Molly Crew with Shout at the Devil. All right. Very appropriate song, I would say, for the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have a lot more affection for, like, uh, 80s hair metal than I do, I feel like. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been kind of unironically enjoying it lately um, <laughs> in a big way. Rat. Did you, did you watch The Dirt? I never watched The Dirt, but I read the book. Yeah. Um, and I read the book, and maybe I've said this on the podcast before, but I read it, and I was like, these guys are awesome! And then, like... <laughs> And then I listened to the music, and I was like, what? <laughs> the movie's pretty bad. Yeah, I had heard that. And there's oh, another yeah. one coming out soon, too. Yeah? About Motley Crue? 
It's like a Pamela and Tommy. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started. Oh, yeah. Um, was he, it Machine Gun Kelly? Was, he played Tommy Lee in The, mm-hmm. the Dirt, right? That's yeah. right. He did a pretty good job, actually. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Like, Vince Neil's voice like it's like what a powerful rock voice and then like he could in hit the, those octaves book, yeah well just, like, it was undeniable when they heard this guy even and then it's like <laughs> in this song is doing a false setup it's like <laughs> <laughs> like it's laughable man oh man uh, but um this is uh kind of uh Jack Nose Waters. What's his Noseworthy. <laughs> Jack, Jack Nose Waters. Jack Nose Water. Yeah. It's sort of his anthem that's playing constantly in his giant Ford Bronco. It's the only song that I think he listens to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I get. You know, back in the day, you had limited access to. He's got an old, you know, uh, cassette tape that's just permanently in his Ford Bronco. It kind of, I know, it makes me, I feel like I have a much greater affection for 80s horror films. And, uh, and maybe even the music, I feel like is a little bit more cause like, uh, like nineties pop music, this is like pop punk. Everything's like very cartoony mm-hmm. and this movie is very cartoony. It's also kind of a mess, but, um, yeah, like this part, it's like the eighties were fucking perfect in that you had like the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. You had like people freaked out about Dungeons and Dragons for no reason. <laughs> and you had like the, you know, a propensity for, uh, for phys- like uh, practical effects uh, before CGI kind of um, gum stuff up. And it was, you know, I will, it, this is like a lot of practical effects in this movie, but um, yeah. it, it doesn't have, I feel like the craftsmanship in the eighties, even in kind of lower budget films. I think that the, uh, the nature of the eighties, you had to kind of plan things out ahead of time a yeah. lot more as far as budgets and, and, you know, with the film and with practical effects. And then it, it kind of lent itself to even like kind of bad eighties horror films are like much more enjoyable in a craft. And, uh, this one is, feels like, <laughs> I don't know, man, it feels like they were just making a bunch of weird scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear what you're saying. I, I feel like it's, um, are you, do you think with the big budget and carte blanche, uh, they sort of gave some of these movies just enough rope to hang themselves with? This one, definitely. I think this one, you know, you talk about too many cooks, but I think that the reality is that some director, like, uh, backed out last minute. I think that uh, Jimothy Chalamet or whatever his name was, <laughs> I think that he was kind of a late replacement. And then uh, <laughs> not everybody was on the same page and with yeah. all the reshoots and, and stuff. It, uh, kind and of like, I don't even understand the Columbine stuff because this is not a gun violence movie. I this, think... On paper, it was like, this is about a kid who kills his parents, and that happens. And so, like, and he, and he, he murders people with reckless abandon, but it's, like, campy and silly. But, like, those dude, those murder scenes are pretty wild. Kind of, but how many people does he actually murder before he disembodies a hand? Four? I, I think there... No. Um, well, there's people that I guess he found the, out the that two, he murdered. The two cops... Somewhere between five and ten. The oh, two okay, cops, okay. his parents, it's rumored that he killed those the twins at the uh, Jungle Burger... Um, and then there was like some other girl that he killed. I guess my point would be that the, by the time it gets to like high school violence, like violence in the high school, which is kind of like the, uh, you know, the raw spot when it came to Columbine. Yeah. It's like, it was a disembodied hand that was crawling around in like air ducts and stuff. And yeah. I mean, only I, killed like one person there or something or, Oh no, it killed the band. Yeah. And like some <laughs> people got crushed by like the lights. I mean, I, <laughs> 
I get it. I mean, tell that to Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman. <laughs> he called it out by name, yeah. single-handedly. I know. Oh, God. I, I will say, getting back to Motley Joe Crue. Joe fucking Lieberman. Yeah. Getting back to Motley Crue for a hot second. Uh, Nikki Six in uh, the book The Dirt, really got into Satan stuff uh, for a hot minute. And he was, like, <laughs> hanging out with, you know, and I think the big... Um, can see the dirt is that like nobody could hang with Ozzy. He was just too crazy for even like the Motley Crue guys. But he was like hanging out with Ozzy and he was hanging out with some other people and they was like, yeah, we got like we got really dark there with the Satan stuff and um, swear to God, hand to God this happened. We had a pentagram on the table and we saw a fork fly from the table into the ceiling. Can't explain it. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, like, you know, it's like, could it have been the mass amounts of drugs masses, you're doing? Yeah, it's like when drugs, you say yeah. a pentagram, these, these were line rails of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> in the shape of Texas, <laughs> and then it did the whole thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's funny that like you know they're like thought of as being a satanic band by like moms and they're like by all accounts like the lamest music out of that era. <laughs> yeah. Extremely. Yeah. Guys, it looks like we're pulling into the last track. Track number 13. Let's hear it. Of all numbers. Oh, boy. Oh. Idol 13. <laughs> Usually we skip the 13th track. But. <laughs> Someone we've heard from uh, once before, I believe. This is Graham Revell with the Idle Hands theme. Thank you, Graham Revell. Yeah, this is, um, there's definitely like earlier on, even in this track, there's more kind of, um, I guess it's, uh, it's the Halloween theme kind of being cribbed, mm-hmm. kind of that idea spooky of like, melody. you have the spooky, but it's like, you know, this is very nineties sounding, um, industrial score. And it's like you, uh, we had talked earlier, this is like very similar to the, some of the score he did for the matrix. Same, same year, year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it came out the same year, but I assume that this was in production probably a lot earlier because it got shelved Makes and everything. Sense. Yeah. Um, but I love the idea of, um, like running into Graham Ravel and catching up like over drinks, uh, before these movies come out and it's like, Hey, what have you been up to? It's like, well, a couple films, you know. Uh, this you know this horror film and then this sci-fi one you know we'll see what happens they're both like you know i'm excited about both of them equally (laughs) (laughs) and one's like one of the private films of all time one of them's like this like gonna be in the library of congress and the other one's like a national the library (laughs) awesome we're gonna shoot it off into space (laughs) uh um, graham revell's done a ton of movies uh on top of the matrix he's done uh the crow uh, he did personal favorite of old th- Caleb over here. Yeah, yeah. I think we got to do it one of these days. Uh, Daredevil, Miss Congeniality. That's another favorite. Daredevil, Kingdom <laughs> of Heaven, <laughs> From Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's he's quite the. Uh, we we've touched on him a few times uh, in the podcast. Um, yeah, this it didn't seem like um, there was. I didn't notice a ton of score when I was watching the film. I noticed a lot of pop music and unfortunately a lot of pop music that didn't make it onto the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel like that song like sets you up for what would ostensibly be a good horror comedy film, mm-hmm. and the movie does not do it justice. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's they a good score. It's a good score. <gasps> my my criticism to the film: it should have been scarier, funnier, better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, shorter More weed. Shorter. <laughs> shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You didn't do the focus group for this movie, Caleb? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Focus groups. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Guys, that is the soundtrack to Idle Hands. Yeah, all right. All right. We finally did it. (laughs) Man. Thank you to our friends from the Gross Point Blank podcast for forwarding this to us. Yeah. How Um, did you find it? (laughs) Unclear. Unclear. Uh, Before we go, we do have to rate and review um, the soundtrack. So... Nikki, I'll have you... Or no, actually, Chris, sorry. What? Chris always <laughs> He's about off. to break the mold. Me first? Uh, most favorite song, least favorite song. Most least favorite song. Most, most least, least favorite. favorite song. And then we're reviewing out of 15... Uh, oh, did we talk about 15 this? 15 burritos. Dime, dime bags. 15 dismembered hands. 15, 15 mighty Joe bongs. 15 uh, druid... I'll go, I'll go Mighty Joe Bong. Mighty Joe Bong. That's the muffler bong yeah, that so. isn't even a pun. It's Mighty Joe Young, not Mighty Joe Bong. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> shut up, idiot. All right, Nikki. Chris. Chris. Yeah, sorry, Chris. Okay. Chris. Okay. Most favorite, least favorite. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> game for whatever. I think uh, my favorite song on here is uh, Rob Zombie's Dragula. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I still like that Dragula. song a lot. Dragula. Um, it's like upon, uh, hearing Caleb make a case for it. Um, I now like Rob Zombie forever. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I just think it's a great song that I actually enjoy. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'd say least favorite, uh, disappointment inks bleeding boy. Oh, okay. I feel like doesn't seem like it's on the right soundtrack for me. Um, it's a little, a little silly of a song, I thought. It, not quite my bag. There's a there's a couple other bad songs on the soundtrack, um, but Bleeding Boy doesn't do it for me. Um, I feel like this, like the movie, the soundtrack's a little all over the place. Um, but I think it is better than the movie. Uh, if the movie is maybe a C minus, um, I think this soundtrack is maybe a C plus. Uh, so. Based on that, I'm going to give this a eh, 11, 11 flat, 11.0. I find that shocking. But anyways, Nikki, <laughs> how do you feel about this? <laughs> I'm still taking it all in. Caleb, why don't you give us a... Uh, okay. Um, least favorite, most favorite. I agree with Chris in one regard in that I think that... Thank you. I think that Dragula is my favorite song on this soundtrack uh i was talking about you earlier there was some comedian had a tiktok where she was like uh it was kind of a pandemic themed like oh like i had a real rob zombie day today and people were like rob what rob zombie's like you know cook all the fishes and do all the dishes and it's like it's her <laughs> listing stuff she was doing around her apartment um but i think that that's you know it's an iconic song i'm i'm still I'm still waiting for the original version to pop up on a soundtrack because I think I prefer it more. Uh, but I, you know, obviously I'm leading the um, the Rob Zombie uh, reputation uh, rehab uh, crusade. <laughs> I think that it would be hard to for me to say that any song on here is worse than the cover of Mama Said Knock You Out. Yeah, yeah. The Waking yeah, Hours. I should have gone with that too. That's like a real. That's really bad. That's really bad. 
It's really, really bad. I do like the original so much, and that, that's a really bad cover. Um, I'll give this a 3.5. Whoa. Mighty Joe Bongs. Hey. I was going to, you know. <laughs> I it, think I went too high, as always. <laughs> this feels like a soundtrack with a lot of original music for the thing, and you kind of get sucked in. It's like, because yeah. it, it is themed well, and you're like, oh, yeah, these are all. And a lot of them are not. They're on albums. They're contemporary, but they're. Nothing in the movie was jarring as far as, like, the soundtrack. I was like, oh, okay. I, I thought it felt. A okay. lot of m- music that's in the movie that's yeah, a lot better than true. what's on the soundtrack. That's true. All right, Nikki, how do you feel? For favorite track, I'm going to say track number nine, Unwritten Law with Kaylin. All right. Like that song. Yeah. Nice little pop ditty. Least favorite song also, I'm going to have to say, is Mama Said Knock You Out <laughs> by The Waking Hours. It's just un- unforgivable. Oh, forming a consensus. Can I Can I say I don't even like the LL Cool J song? What? I think that, it's that's, too... That's fine. I, that's know. fine. I actually, I really like the original. But, uh, and then, you know, like, um, as far as soundtracks that have also maybe been scrubbed, I know that um, some copies of this soundtrack did have a nfs1 sticker on them which is a not for sale sticker Whoa. not sure what the deal was with that which is maybe why it's so hard to track this thing down do you think they was that some of the columbine stuff too do you think maybe it could have been yeah be- because of how quickly i think they pulled this from theaters maybe they did the same thing with the soundtracks Ooh, interesting and um remember like you know the half-baked soundtrack was basically scrubbed for different reasons yeah um, not to compare the two, but I think this is, uh, def- you know, easier to listen to than that half-baked soundtrack. That's got to be yeah. the worst soundtrack of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think all, all the songs on the soundtrack make sense for the most part, but I would say there's only four, three or four good tracks out of uh, 13, so I'm going to have to give this a uh, 3.2. Jeez. Yeah. I, I'm really um, bringing up the average in this class. What, what was this? Uh, 3.2. Mighty, Mighty Joe, Joe Bombs. Mighty Joe Bombs. Yeah. <laughs> the best pun of all time. All right. Thank you, Nicky. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll move into recommended tracks. Yeah, before we leave, we do have to add a song to the Track Losing Spotify playlist, uh, one of our favorite demonic songs. If you guys don't mind, I can lead off. Um, Chris, do you have something pulled up? I don't. Okay, I don't. Take it away, Caleb. I have a track from 1976. Um, this is we very rarely recommend or play any reggae, and uh, I feel like it's a little bit of an oversight. I'm not a huge reggae guy, but I really do appreciate a lot of like reggae. I'd say from the 60s to 70s, and this is um, a track Max Romeo and the the backing band is actually uh, Lee Scratch Perry's house band, The Upsetters. So it's a uh, Max Romeo and the Upsetters. This is a song that it it stands out to me because it's been sampled um, kind of um, you know famously two times. In that, uh, it's actually the the part of the song that I'm going to play. There's later on. I feel like that song actually gets like better and more coherent. But uh, at the, right at the at the beginning, there's a, a part that was sampled by it was a Kanye production, but for a Jay Z track. And then it goes into the song, which was sampled pretty heavily for a Prodigy track in the 90s. Ah, Uh, The song is Chase the Devil by Max Romeo. Lucifer, son of the morning, I'm gonna chase you out of earth. And shirt and 
shirt and chase the devil out of earth. I'm gonna send him to outer space. Yeah, so Thank it's you, Caleb. A, a couple prominent okay. samples, and also uh, I do love kind of the take uh, that they have the lyrics. I'm gonna send him out of space. They're talking about Satan. I'm gonna send him into outer space to find another race. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah. I've never yeah. heard that take before. Yeah. <laughs> gotta move that curse on to somebody else. Like, you know? We gotta, we gotta chase out the devil. We're like, yeah, it's like into space. It's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> then he can haunt some other planet. And you're like, what? Just kill him. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, I've got a uh, track pulled up here for us. This is a track from Ohio Players. Oh yeah. This is from their album Fire from 1974. This track is called Running from the Devil. You may be wondering if uh, David Lee Roth cribbed the line running with the devil from this song. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the inspiration came from for the Van Halen track. But uh, yeah, this this Ohio Players track is uh, it's definitely fire. Yeah, I'm a big nice. I'm a big Ohio That's Players uh, fan. I celebrate the entire catalog. <laughs> Chris, do you have a uh, pick for us? I do. I do have a pick. Um, I was turned on to this song from another soundtrack, uh, a soundtrack we've not reviewed, uh, from 1984's Heavenly Bodies. Oh, yeah. What is that movie? It's about a co- uh, competitive uh, workout. It's like aerobics. <laughs> and aerobics. Oh, wait. Oh. Is this the, the Travolta? No, it is oh, not okay. Travolta. <laughs> so, but it, I think it was like the deep li- impact uh, to the Travolta <laughs> okay. Jamie Lee Curtis movie. Okay, so we, right. yeah, we had a listener that was recommending that we review the Travolta Jamie Lee Curtis one, which is definitely on our on our list. On but, our okay, list, sorry, especially uh, for that one. As scene. you were, as you were, as you were. <laughs> well, this is the uh, <laughs> my emergency flares went out. You're really excited by that. <laughs> this song came out. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> at a time when uh aerobics classes rule the earth and there's this movie called heavenly bodies and um i think their chief song is this one uh by bonnie pointer uh called the beast in me and uh you might know bonnie pointer from being half of the pointer sisters but um i think this song's a jam or was she a third oh was she a third yeah there's other multiple they brought in they bring it yeah they brought in another pointer mm. sister she's one of the pointers well anyway <laughs> sorry <laughs> numbers game that's a numbers game um, but yeah let's uh let's listen to uh the beast in me
Oh yeah, man. Yeah. For some reason, it's kind of reminding me of that Key and Peele sketch, the workout <laughs> the video yeah, sketch. Yeah, oh, it's similar it's vibes so for yeah. sure. I think it's great track, clear though. that uh, a great track. you know, for the listeners, we we're all fully vaccinated and we're trying to get back into pre-pandemic shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're we're <laughs> starting. Some of us the, might be. <laughs> we're starting the track listing aerobics uh, midnight dance party. Um, so if you guys are in the Williamsburg area, check out our OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, knock on my door at midnight and get them in the back backyard, and we'll just listen to some music. You're like, you know what song I've been listening to a lot lately? It's an aerobics song. <laughs> yeah, we know, man. <laughs> Guys, that is the Idle Hand soundtrack. Hey, yeah. That was All a fun right. one. That's a great one. And uh, thanks again to, I guess, Blake and Joe. I assume that Joe was also part of uh, getting the soundtrack from the So Gross Such Point Much Blank podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. Podcast yeah. about Gross Point Blank, which is a movie that I love and a movie that we've done an episode on before. Yeah, yeah. please check them out yeah. wherever podcasts are available. Where are they available, Chris? Uh, are we doing an ad now? <laughs> you have to email me, and I can send you uh, individual you send me the link. Uh, CDs burned in podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nikki, it's your uh, pick next. Yeah, do you know what you're picking? Any hints and clues? You don't even know, do you? I've got some ideas. I know I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry, it's been a little while since we put out an episode, but uh, we're working on getting back to a weekly release schedule Yeah. yeah. now that uh, we're fully vaccinated. Yeah, we're trying to figure out this... This brand new world where nature is healing. <laughs> By nature, I mean the restaurant industry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hope everyone's staying safe. We love you guys. Thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.